Hey there, everybody, and welcome. This is Tevo DRC of Tevo Creative Leadership. I don't want to take credit for this, but I keep getting about a future church, and I don't claim to be over it or to found it. I believe it's out there. I'm just identifying it and pointing out some things that maybe other people, many other people of different faith, you know, parts of the Christian faith and also ministry, people who maybe have felt they couldn't identify with what's been going on in the past or have issues or really some doctrinal things they need to work out to be sure. I feel like right now with the situation in our nation and the world, I think it's now a desperate need to analyze, review what has been going on prior to COVID, even right now, and pick out the good stuff. Thank God for the great stuff, the heroes, mothers and fathers of the faith. Um, I'm playing around, if you are watching this by video, I, you can see my unusual, I'm experimenting with the Facebook Live different effects, so bear with me. I just thought it would be fun to try, but anyway, I'm on audio too with this. Uh, but what we want to do is stir up thought. That's mainly my thought, and uh, to do the stirring up of thought from my point, I've got to explain why I do it, how I've done it, so then I can set it out there and everybody will know my thoughts and you can have your thoughts but then understand me when I'm trying to get a picture from many different kinds of persons in different localities even of what a future church could be as it emerges and see we're all emerging just like a cocoon just like a baby little baby butterfly emerging and forming and even though we're in a huge deal right now, many situations, many afflictions, uh, we know that the Lord is just a sign of the hastening of the Lord coming soon, wherever that is. I'm not putting a date on it. I'd gotten a few months ago, really last month, I'd gotten, it's the last inning. That's what I heard in my spirit one day from the Lord to tell everybody. And so I looked, yes, it's the last inning, but I was also reminded that when my one of my children my firstborn t uh, played softball in elementary school, maybe fifth grade, that those in innings would last forever. And so I'm not saying it's going to last forever. That's not what I meant. It could be a lot longer than we would guess, but it could be sooner. So we want to be FDR. That's the main thing. Final day ready to go at, you know, let everybody, everybody know if the Lord should come or not. But I don't set my, you know, I'm not looking for it all. The, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready when he's ready. But I want to not lose my focus, train of thought, because I believe there is more to come in a good way. A very help. I hope. I really feel hopeful. I feel it's going to be how we understand how to handle it that will be the secret of our joy. And so I've had a lot of things in afflictions, persecutions, many trials would have caused me to grow toward the Lord, also analyze and review what is going on in the name of Jesus Christ following, especially prior to COVID and Dallas, especially, you know, in that after studying the body. And I want to tell you about that so you can know the framework, my backstory of how I do this, why I'm so, I guess you'd say, not legalistic, loose, but not PC, not compromising to the best of my knowledge, but giving people leeway to think outside the box because the box is harsh in certain places. It's too timid in certain places. It's too totalitarian in certain places because of doctrines and it's too scowling. 
And so I've learned this because I had the opposite in my background growing up as a pastor's firstborn who is not legalistic. He was merry. He was smart. He graduated from the official seminary. You know, they were real Christians, but they weren't legalistic. My mother was a strong lady, a capable Bible teacher, but she, you know, back then they were Baptists and they didn't call her a pastor, but she was very strong and taught and her mother before her. And they had Bible scholars in the family on both sides, teachers, Bible scholars, good parents and fine people, not competitive, not racist. And so therefore I grew up by God's irony. I grew up, I guess, in a protected a protected as a little a, a way of knowing how to compare with what is not like that when I got out in real life and grew up later in ministry. And you know and I didn't feel the doctrines in certain groups, not all in certain places around the nation, TV affected mainly in celebrity, not all celebrity, but I thought we got to get used to really what is going on today, analyze it, assess it, not accuse it, evaluate it, and be a noble Berean that would make Paul proud. And Paul, Apostle Paul, besides my father, good parenting, background of the knowledge of, you know, many Bible teachers of generations, healthy Christians, business and, you know, really quality people, knowing many people like that, that are really right there out there now, pre-COVID and right now. I just know there's so many healthy people that are good equipping teachers, trainers, maybe the future church pastors, he's or she's, but they don't feel they have the doctrine that would give them permission because of the way teaching has been in the United States or around the world because of television, it is like nobody really can go there and figure it out that they can do things, but they think they need permission from a head person. The tall, you know, as my father-in-law, who was a rascal from a world war vet had the sands of Iwo Jima in his blanket. You know, he fought in the world war two. He would say, well, uh, you know, he had many colloquialisms that he would say. And one of them was, well, what, there are a couple of them. I don't know which one I was going to say, but one of them was, you're, if you're, if you're gonna, if you're going, if you're born to hang, you'll never drown because <laughs> that weird fatalism, but he would say unusual things that would make me think, you know, a lot of people are watching Christians. A lot of people have put us down because they've only seen religion. They don't see kindness. They don't see flexibility. They don't, because they see formal, organized legalism, and they think that's Jesus Christ following. So my heart is really for the people who have never seen a real Christian. That's why I'm this flexible. This is why I'm this open. This is why I've got new vocabulary to train for a future church. Now, let me explain. So I go back to my dad and mom and, you know, basic people growing up, sort of a Billy Graham age and Jesus people on up. And when I was 24, the Lord called me when I was sitting, you know, I'd grown up, gotten married before children and I knew the Lord real well and the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord put on my heart one day when I was at a church and he said, I want you, this is when I was 24. He said, I want you to study my body. And I want you to know their doctrine, their pet peeves, their kinds. You're going to be all colors, those that believe the Bible that are really true and born again. 
And so I thought, that sounds interesting. It sounds adventurous, and I am an adventurer. But I didn't know exactly the pain that would be involved because of a lot of false teaching and pomp and ceremony control. So that was the other side. But the goal was that in night, when I was 24, it was pre-celebrity, pre-media, pre-computer, pre-everything. It was really out of Billy Graham, servant leadership, praise and worship had just started. Thank God. I was never traditional. But it was just a time where I could watch things develop. And so I was there, and then it would lead me, Holy Spirit led me through different movements. And see, I was raised not charismatic, not speaking in tongues, even though the moves of the Holy Spirit began in America, in my opinion, that I was aware of in college, the charismatic movement started. And I did invite the Holy Spirit to give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yet I was never around Pentecostals, but I was never a against them i just didn't want to be you know, like a good baptist in the fear of the lord who doesn't want to get into error i just say lord if it's your perfect will i would like that but i don't want to get into error you know scared back then of missing it and i i still have a holy fear of the lord and a respect for many people you know like that but i really felt like uh a lot of it is because you've just never been trained or you've had people shove it down your throat. So with Pentecost, Book of Acts, I'm for it. But I'm not for Bible thumping, making people feel like you got to do it because I do or my way. Because I've met that doing it to me. And I'm not going to do that. So when I look at the long-term overview, and then I was led by the Spirit to basically different kinds of different kinds of people when you have many Christians and you go to like Florida, Central Florida many times, Tampa, Hillsboro, Tampa, and Orlando, that type of thing, you notice a difference in culture. That was in the 90s. I'd go from like, let's say, 95 to 90, 2003. I came out to Dallas for 15 years, the hard years, <laughs> which I really did grow, and I really like Texas. I really do because I think big. But I was there in a different kinds of culture of Christian I had never been in in the field, you know, that kind of thing. So I studied doctrines. When I am curious or I feel puzzled or perplexed or concerned, disconcerted, wow, shocked, I just say, well, you know, what's in their doctrinal bathwaters? Along the way, God had said, when I send you, and let me finish where I was, all right, I was sent to Florida many times to understand and observe what was going on, a lot of worship and prophetic, you know, moves and hearing the vocabulary of the basic Christians. I went to TV stations as well as different groups as the Lord would lead. And I was growing to be sent, turned out, every time it was Holy Spirit groups. So I can get into the dial, you know, the description of them. And I can teach it without dogma because I really like the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. But then you notice the different kinds of persons who say they represent the, the Christian minister, Holy Spirit, and you get into false teaching and truth. So that was another experience that I learned. Along the way, the Lord would lead me also to North Carolina, to South Carolina now, but he did back then too, and that was wonderful. I was in Central Virginia. I'd been in Virginia Beach. I had been in Norfolk area. I was sent to Tulsa, Oklahoma, home of the faith movement for a period of time. And as I said, 15 years of Dallas, Texas. Along the way, I was always a heart for servant leadership and unity. I was never one that was felt like I, 
I could not get along with another person that loved the Lord or even ones that don't love the Lord. I'm a pretty fair person. So I could hang out with Catholics, Baptists, Pentecostals, Black, White, African Americans, Church of God in Christ, Church of God, you name it. I could basically find fellowship and get along. And my teeth in ministry, when I was called to public ministry, it had always, ever since I was really uh, out and a grown person on my own, I was always drawn to the racial reconciliation moves of God. And that was where I really got my heart for the for the um, African. I'd always had many encounters that were very positive and very friendly with African-Americans. We had an African-American nurse that lived with our family because my aunt, after her husband, uh, you know, divorced. Then with her children, we took my aunt in. We had an African-American nurse named Helen that was like part of the family. We laugh. So I grew up with God's allowing me to know people as real human beings, not stereotypes. And none of my family, I'm so honored to have that as our legacy. They were all Christians who were not biased. Neither were they political. They just voted like I do. They didn't, weren't all red state. All They vote on issues as the Lord led. And I did come from not Pentecostals, but people who really did Presbyterians, Baptists, and Methodists who really did study the Bible, and they were led because they had a relationship with God. It wasn't about rules. They were led by the Spirit to um, to really hear God and be led like today, just being led like Ezekiel's wheel, Genesis, you know, Enoch walking. You know, God said, "Go here." They went there, and I've been led by the Lord all my life. When I was in college. And I went away to college. I was a Jesus person. I'd met the Lord for myself. It wasn't my parents, God. It was the Lord. I met him. as It was wonderful. So I thought, you know, Lord, you're leading me. I want you to lead me every day. And I made a choice back then when I was 18. And the choice was I felt like I was curious. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't know everything. You don't know your call. You don't know your... God's call in your life, you just know a bit. So I said, Lord, I'm going to, I don't have any clue of what you want me to do. I was bored with college. I was a religion major. Uh, I, you know, back then I just didn't, uh, it was boring to me, but I love the Lord and I was grateful to be able to go as a good college and everything. So I was bored, but I knew the Lord and got to know him well as a son of a Jesus person, flower child. And so I, I said, Lord, you know, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to see what will happen when I was 18. I'm going to see what will happen if I let you lead me every day, 24-7, seven days a week, 365 on out. And I have. And that is all I've done. Now, in the middle, you grow, you learn, you make mistakes, you get, you know, older. Uh, I got married. You know, there's natural things and spiritual things, physical things. And I worked out and I, you know, I tried to prepare for the future for now by working out, eating healthy, being, you know, and learning and growing about healing and things. So there are many adventures. And then as I grew, it started to get more and more <laughs> misadventures only because I had changed doctrinal groups. And also I felt like the quality of people that said they were Christian had maybe not all of them, but gone down, downhill because of the rat race, the focus on income, mercenary, and the quality of maybe just trading on a famous person's name on TV. And I was out with the people who did follow or Christians under the organization of certain ones. 
And I didn't, I'm not biased toward those and I'm not biased toward the top person in my thought. My big th revelation is nobody knew when we started in the 70s, 80s, and 90s what was going to happen with Mega, what was going to happen with media, good, bad, and evil, what was going to happen with using people in Christianity, what would be happen with the, you know, put the carrot on TV, of the TV preacher, and see, I was out. I've lived in Cosmopolitan, of the, the Metroplex, and I've lived in rural small towns, and I can tell differences in just not quality, people of the hearts, it depends on them, but I'm saying the attitude of maybe the big, out in the grassroots, middle class, rural, or just smaller ministries, that is where I was. I've, I've really been there. My father was not famous, and I'm happy, I'm really happier down to earth. That's why I don't really want to go mega or whatever, celebrity. I'm really content with micro, but I do feel like I have an, an internet, you know, national call that's going to come forth if God wants it. So I'm telling you how we think so you'll know about it. And then my group, mine is to play down, it's to make Jesus important. Years ago, many years ago, maybe it's the 80s or 90s, there was all this prophecy, and I heard it lately. It's going to be when God really moves, when he wants to, it's going to be a nameless, faceless move of God. And I believe that's how he really wants it. That's why I can just wear my sunglasses, be myself, be more happy at a barista fellowship than some in, you know, I'm really careful. And I think we need to really give God all the glory and let him have his way. That's why I'm for a future church that I don't have to know all about it. I can have information that I can give as a sila. And this is one reason I don't speak dogma in my teaching Hardcore authoritarian, no, I submit it as a sila for you to pause and think about it. One reason also is Apostle Paul did it that way. He praised the noble Bereans for picking apart his doctrine. He said to the people and trained them, he says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. That means think for yourself and go before God and pray about it along the way. He also said, know me, Paul said, my lifestyle and my doctrine. So there are many factors when you choose to listen to a preacher, famous or otherwise, he or she, black or white, that I've really investigated in and very invested in for this time. And the Lord had said back when I was 24, one day you'll come out and you will build bridges of community. And I've always had a thing for African-Americans, people from other nations, Hispanic, different Asians, you know, people with unusual and also eclectic people. I really do get along with them. Uh, I have a global, I'm not, I'm white, but because I've seen a lot of things and I found that my own style is sometimes by certain kinds, which I've talked about, uh, the more colonials, I just stir the, you know, that's, I'm their stereotype. And it taught me about racism, how not to be and all these things. But I realized that I'm not a we centric colonial. I may look like it. I'm like my daddy. My daddy wouldn't like that. My mama had it on her. Maybe I'll look like her a bit, but I'm not a colonial on purpose. When I was 18, a Jesus person, my mother tried to tell me her pedigree from her side of the family. Daddy didn't, you know, but when she did that, I thought something rose up on me and I thought, I can't listen. I do not want to know. All I know is that I do have French Huguenot and English from my mother's side. And there is a Tavo church in Cordsville, South Carolina, that you can Google historic landmark 
and I want to go see and film it. It's in Monk's Corner, amazingly. So I have that unusual side, and it explains why, I guess, I think of pioneering ministry. Who knows, but my dad was more like a Southern Baptist uh, in the small, a really small town in Georgia, and yet he wasn't a bigot. It's amazing. They were real Christians, educators. So as the Lord grew and I would go be sent by the Lord, I didn't go every day. I didn't know exactly how he'd say, but I was led by the Holy Spirit. And then I'd find myself being there. At, if the Lord said go and I said I would go, it would be very important. I'd get some, I'd grow, learn about the Lord, the word of faith, the word of knowledge. I would learn about the moving of the gifts. I would learn about more music. It would stir me up and I would examine it to make sure I felt it was right for me. The movements came, TV came, crowds came. I still, uh, and I was led to different kinds because I'd never been around the Holy Spirit much except you know, through the years, he's grown me in that. And I really do. I've been to big revivals and huge things, real, uh, real Pentecostals and so forth. So I, and I went to Israel. The Lord led me to Israel, Jerusalem and uh, Sea of Tiberias and all that. But it was so interesting, but it was slow and long Noah. And because of the adventures, then you also have misadventures and you have people that, you know, demonic things as well as positive things but the basic line is that i grew to say let me i don't think i don't think that highly i don't really care about me being famous i don't really care if i do what i do or have done what i did i just the bottom line the payoff is what's god gonna say on the last day when you stand alone on the judgment throne that's my payoff i want to get it right so obedience is the big call obedience and, and submission to the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And then we run into my biggest shock and nightmare has been false teaching about submission that is not Baptist, that is, I don't believe it's black, but it has been try it tries to control me or accuse me but never speak. And that has been the worst discovery in the charismatic group, you know, the prophetic charismatic more and more in America as it grew, huge national, you know, different ones. Do I forgive them? No, but it's mean, and I'm just, in our move, I'm prophetic. I am. But I'm trying to defrag accusation, witch-watching, and make it more natural, and that people who don't really ever think, I never want to be around the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a charismatic. I want you to like the Holy Spirit, because you're going to know how to deal with it. And, and he's your friend, not your nightmare, not a boss. Also, I'm used as a human is used. I'm used as a human. I'm Galatians 1, 1 and 2, not sent out by any one person, not sent in any one group. I am the brothers and sisters that are with me. I'm happy in the field of the Lord, co-laboring, collaborating. I'm a collaborator, one of God's collaborators. I love it. All right, so it's more of an outpost it might be mega online. It might be mega because I'm going to do it as the Lord, like cell type thing, collaborating things. It doesn't matter the size. It does not at all. It's am I obedient? So my standard is I'm not looking at you moved by your persona. I'm not moved by your color, your uh, size, your income. I'm moved by the Holy Spirit in you and through you, like Paul said, 
I want to know nothing. I'm determined to know nothing about you except Christ and him crucified. Now, when you deal with people, you know they're different races. And when you have different races and backstories, you're going to have some differences. you got to, you know, take note of that. But the issue is we're working hard not to be biased or project accusation, racism, or rejection on the pure hearted. And that's what we found in the last turn, the last in the around the United States in the last 15 years, it's been more and more like that. So we don't want to turn people off to the Lord. If we're biased, one of the things that really got me upset was I had never been around. Let's put it this way. I'd never been around being stereotyped by other Christians that are white until I went around certain groups and I realize, man, I show up and I'm there, you know, the Jezebel watcher comes over, the chauvinist, misogynist, whatever these, I, I, I couldn't believe it. My dad, I didn't know anything about that. So I moved down to really the deep south, deep, deep south, because my father was so respectful and that made it a glaring error. So I just thought, you know, man, I'm the typecast. Maybe God uses me. So now that any time a blonde woman that looks like me, middle-aged or whatever, my size shows up, they're going to think it's me. And all these biased pastors or whoever these people are, religious persons, will think it's me and be on their good behavior. That's one reason <laughs> I think it's God can use that. But it taught me not how not to be. It taught me how that how racism, how bad and wearing and horrible it's a spirit it is a spirit that you feel after a while and it made me stop i got out of really the lord took me out of being a charismatic because of the false teaching that kind of thing back in dallas 2012 i put down the 5013c i had and i just thought all this playtime performance poor me victim witch watching won't relate not Ephesians 1 6 equal opportunity accepting in the beloved big I little you this is it was accusing and therefore I thought I pull out and study the doctrine and let's correct it so that's what I'm doing so we have a prophetic movement so to speak based on relationship respect everyone should be able to have a voice see this is it when you get celebrity you get big big uh, mega churches nobody knew this now i can tell you they do this is that you don't know that everyone to keep the big ship afloat it takes money but it takes people being in place in order and there's nothing wrong with being you know solomon was there but you have to give people you have to know that as the top leader so you can adjust it one day when in 2005 i, I, I moved out there in dallas so i wanted to go hear a famous black bishop because I loved him on television. He really helped me on his TV program when I lived on the East Coast. So I traveled over to his big church, and it was huge, mega church, 105 degrees. I was new in Texas. They had giant. It was hard to find a parking place. And when I looked at the crowd, it looked like an African nation walking somberly and, you know, in the fear of the Lord into the big church, which had 19,000. Well, the Lord sent me there on the very day where he said this to the audience. He said, how do you think that I can keep 19,000 people in order in this? And it wasn't a click. It wasn't a system. I didn't. I felt warm. It wasn't biased for me. They were very friendly, and they seemed to have the fear of the Lord, you know, sober fear of the Lord. 
So I was very impressed, strongly impressed, because I felt, and he was trying to be diverse. They had, when I, I think I went five times, but it was far away. And I went one time and he had a, in the black church, basically a black church, they had a white three-piece rock, country rock worship team, and all the African-Americans were dressed in boot scoot, boogie boots, you know, Texas outfits with hats and boots. I laughed. I thought this bit, you know, this band, this pastor is really trying to be diverse, and I, I really honored that. But when I was there that day, God, I mean, I couldn't have picked this out because I have a small ministry, but I always think it would grow one day, and I'm, you know, studying the body as Jesus wanted so as he as I sat there, he said, "You know, how do I keep nineteen thousand people in order, whatever the number was?" He says, "I have to have Holy Spirit revealed, downloaded infrastructure." I went, "That is the secret. It's not a system. It's not somebody that says, "Oh, I can build your church and multiply it and get you ten campuses for a price." No, this is by a relationship with the Lord." slowly and he got the revelation he said but then once you get the revealed infrastructure then you need to tweak it every so often with the lord's help and i thought that is the plan so then i was on my way from you know i visited and i was not near there and i was just couldn't get there you know i felt like also when the lord doesn't send me there to visit very long <laughs> right now it's different up here so don't think i'm saying about up here but if he sends me something and he says, don't go there, many times God has said, don't go there because the physician is not needed. <laughs> the doctrinal physician is not needed. She needs to go where the Lord needs you, where the doctrines are really, all, people are getting hurt. So when the Lord said for me through the years, these things, he would say, Tavo, if you see something that hurts people, or hurts my good name when you're in a fellowshipping situation and you see it one or two times, ignore it. It's a fluke. But if you see it three times or more, then you're. I'm letting you see what I see a lot more of, and I want you to teach on it. And that's what I do. Another time, because I have gotten hurt, you know, some of the things I was ambushed. I've been ambushed literally without anyone speaking to me and warning me in advance. I've had some really odd things on behalf of the gospel. So when the Lord said to me, he said, Tavo, don't take it personally. Take these things prophetically because you're seeing what goes on in the name of Christ following in Hebrews 10.25, the command of fellowship with the saints. So through the years, I've matured and I've grown. I don't have any grudges, but I'm very concerned. I have been very concerned for the state of Jesus' houses in too many situations. This is why I got this bold. When I was in Dallas, in Texas, I had a Muslim Arab from another nation, a certain nation, who whose husband, who's married to a, a Christian, a denominational Christian. Well, he tried to kill her, and she was my friend. I really loved her. I met her in exercise class. So I invited her, and she stayed with me seven weeks, let's say around that time, for a while. So I got to know her. I got to really find out about the Arab nations, and I got, it was so interesting. I really, really, she was really a nice person. So then she said this comment, and I'm going to say this. 
she said, you know, Tavo, all the people over in the Arab nations, they watch because they're smart and they're well off. Smart. Not clueless. Smart. Observant and have their cell phones all the time and they're always watching. And I that really, you know, I understand that. So they she said they have certain biases because of watching the news. And then she said, but also this, this is what I'm, my point. She said, Tavo, many times Muslims, Arabs, people from other nations come over here, come over to America, and they're not extremists. No, they're not at all. But they get so disrespected, biased against, accused, in their culture by certain people that they get hardened and they turn extreme. Well, I told somebody even today, I remember, I told her, you know, my friend told me that I thought I see that. So that means when you walk up to somebody who's selling you, I'd gone to a appliance store. The Lord said, go in this appliance store. So I went in there and there was an Arab man right after she told me that. And all I could do is think, man, I'm going to respect you because I have no clue what you, you know, he might be somebody that has had it to the last. And this could be a black person too. It could be Hispanic. It could be, it could be a white person, anybody, but I'm saying it really made me have empathy and put myself into people's shoes to respect them as a leader. It really does. So when I was down there, I told this to somebody today. I said, you know, my friend, told me about people who are nice they go to another land they're disrespected and biased and bigoted against and they get hard and they start to be extreme i can see that because i went to dallas i was never like this i got biased against <laughs> pious biased i got extreme disrespect i mean not from the people where i went to the gym not to the people that were these were all white, a country subculture of bias, owning women, little women, and also good old boys. It's really the good old boy culture in the Christian community. We've got to get rid of it. It is not a witness. It is a false witness. It's clannish. It's all red state. I mean, it's all, it can't identify with expats, people that are not just like them. It was an ornery, dishonest, deceptive, and cagey, cunning quiet subculture and it really got my attention to train on it and it's everywhere it can be everywhere but not all white people not all country are like that but there is a good old boy bunch of people good old girl good old human network we gotta watch out that is not they're inter they're in self-involved and it's not a great witness to the love of the lord is you know accepting new people so I got radicalized down there. I got extreme down in Dallas because I thought, man, when I was down there, when I was down there, I thought, I've never seen, I've never seen so much witch watching. I've never, like, I'm the stereotype for that. They don't talk to you. They just peg you and stare. I had a witch watcher come over and say, why are you here? I went, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's false teaching that's false teaching so uh then it was to me because i trigger whelp i trigger the white good old boy in mega or micro it doesn't matter and uh after a while because i was raised respected by a white man my father and i had never been around misogyny 
I studied, you know, so I just studied their doctrine, the Eli Templeite priesthood, a lot of things I teach on Phariseeism, the lost first love lampstand doctrine of the, you know, many things I teach on now is due to that as a, because there was no fear of the Lord and no respect in it, no love. Why are you having, how do you think you're going to win the lost? Are you going to be ready? And see, that was before COVID when all the people had not lived, moved from another state out into Texas. I was very concerned for the witness back then. And then I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just not biased. I'm multicultural a lot more, but they don't like me. They don't, I mean, it was just one kind of tongue talker, only one. It was not the Baptist. It was not the white people that were at the Starbucks. It was not that type of thing. It was not the black people at all. Not the Hispanics or the Asians. It was one subculture, good old boy, American good old boy, and you know, that type of thing. So watch it. Then I met, because I'm saying it like that, this group is also what I found out this, it's really tough with your not like them. And you want to respect everybody. That's where all this teaching of respect relationships has come from. Because you want people to woo people to know the Savior, but you'll never woo them or win them to the Lord if you do not really respect them. So to me, my teaching has come out. Equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image from this. And also to be aware to see people as humans as a relationship, not a stereotype. And this is my soapbox, my passion, because if you look around it, if the Christians aren't doing it, how do you expect the nation to do it? And our nation's in peril. What got me so extreme to, you know, like it's because it is extreme. The, the people were playing, certain groups are playtime ministry. How... They're thinking, oh, yeah, we can bruise people. We can use people. We can take advantage of them. We can call them, you know, disrespect the mothers in Christ. We can uh, possess them and own them and cause them to be our underlings and slaves. We can do this in Jesus' name because we are impure. We're entitled to do that. And it got me really upset, like Jesus Christ tossing over the mammon-centric moneymaker tables and all of these that I was bumping into, that the Lord led me, that we're doing this, were white Levitical patriarchs. And they could be mega or micro. So this is a, a big, a lot of movements participate in the whelp, Western European Levitical patriarchism, prophetic ministry, yet not all prophetic peoples are like that. And I just felt like I just couldn't get away from that spirit but I think it's really because I had to know how to not be moved by it. Because I am a perceiver prophet, seer, the seer of seers, definitely. And I try to be like a normal person. But you cannot, when you are invaded, targeted, evil eye, vexed by that unclean, demonic, satanic, insane spirit for sitting there objectified and demeaned as a mom in Christ and experienced all five offices, which I am just cause you're not famous and in their network. That is shocking, but it teaches me cause I've seen it so often that the Lord said, teach on it. So I, I realized, you know, I'm getting diagnosed like 
they know me, but they won't speak to me. It is just so many things. It's a fault-finding Judas spirit, Jezebel-type spirit, yet they see Jezebels on everybody else except them. Do I like them? I can like them, yeah, but I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be abused by false teaching that will scowl at me, stare at me, be biased against me, then spread rumors to everybody up and down in their networks that I'm a certain thing of bad character when they've never spoken to me and interviewed me. And I learned that on behalf of the nation to teach them to watch them and warn them about this. So I'm not the same since Dallas, but I'm also much happier and more calmer. And I realize that, you know, if you're an apostle, this brings me to my apostle teaching. When I say apostle over here, I know it stirs it up. And I do that because God has told me to call myself because I am one. But let me see how I, I mean it. How I mean the word apostle. I mean the word apostle with lowercase letters. I'm really a chief apostle. In our ministry, I can say chief apostle because I picture it with a little c, not capital, not famous, but just a servant worker off scouring of the world like Paul. A, A chief apostle in my vocabulary is a teacher, a doctrine originator of a movement or a group. That's me. I teach apostle with a lowercase a because I looked at Paul's writing. He's my mentor. All right, Paul in Ephesians 4 talks about the five offices of the gifts of the church, the leaders, and that would be the office of the apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. I'm all of those. But Paul uses lowercase leader, lowercase first letters to designate servant leadership, and I'm servant leadership. All right, when Paul writes bishop about himself as an apostle, lowercase letters. All right. So I picture when I say that word, I know it stirs it up because they have big, grandiose, bowing and scraping pomp and ceremony attached to that and too many people, tiny little churches to the big. And that is their choice. You can have your choice. That's your choice. But I know my Bible. That's it. I studied the Bible (laughs) to know that a lot of it is just tradition or legalism. So I'm a, God is, tell me, you know, he's, he'll reveal what I've done. All right. And so, and how to train. And so we want to make it everybody's equal, yet not everyone has got the same call. And some are more experienced, more seasoned, some are more mature, some are less mature. Some don't know their Bible. They're in false teaching. And so I know my Bible. I know the Bible without the law. And that's why I'm training. Let me say this. Apostle Paul says... Because there's so much teaching, which is tradition passed down from the hills of monkey business somewhere. All right. Apostle Paul teaches Ephesians 4. Nobody teaches that. Nobody teaches it. They think, oh, yeah, we can have money. We can be blessed. We can go here. We can lay hands on the, you know, and all of this can fit in there. I'm not against that. But I'm saying What's wrong with the nation? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with this poor me mentality, the turf protecting, the legalism, the systems, then the accusation? Nobody's teaching. They're teaching it the wrong way. You're teaching it with, let me get mine. Let me have my ministry. And that is ruining America. It is. It's money. All right. And TV affects it. Bad parenting, poor me, 
false teaching affects it. But we're for big. It's just you got to know what goes on in the little, the rank and file, because they're getting it. You know, something needs to be trained, so I'm training it, frankly. I am really training it. Let, you know, let the chips fall where they may. It's a sila. Pause and think about it. So we're looking at the future church. We hope there will be one. That's my thing. I was concerned for the last 50, 10 years, out Dallas especially, what I was seeing, wow, is there? can we have a future church at this rate? With the accusation, minimization of people by their typecasting. Typecasting all the time. Many people with the hail fellow well met, shallow, not deep, synthetic ministry. All this stuff was going on. And when I was out there, it was like, Man, I, I really, I'll be honest, I've never dealt with, I never talked against bias. I never talked about misogyny, chauvinism, in the ever. I never felt that need to until then, 12 years of it, 15 years of it. So then I realized it's connected, basically, with certain kinds of tongue-talking people groups that I kept bumping into, and it's whelp. Good old boy whelp. And not all whelp are good old boys, but they're mostly good old boys from the country, and or now the country club both both spectrums country club and the country whelp that didn't mean they can't repent and that didn't mean they're not gifted and talented and pretty and very spiritual but let's get this see i teach let me say this i use the word apostle because god is told i am i'm called a sent messenger I've been through so many things that I guess you'd say I've had signs and wonders to do all this. <laughs> and I I do move in the gifts. I do operate in the Holy Spirit. I know how to do that. It's just that I haven't wanted to be here. I don't want to be connected with false teaching, occult, spirit of witch watching, and psychic. I don't want to do these things. So we're repopulating. So here's what happens. When you have the word apostle, you know you're apostle. It's like a colonist. You're called by God to plant a spiritual colony. So you go as the founder, the, the real apostle, not the apostle team or the wife or father or sister or husband. You are the apostle. All right. Then you have to hear God for yourself and then everyone else can help you or not. So you know God says, here's what you want He wants you to do to grow. Then he says where to grow it, where to go. And you go there in the certain place, the place called there, as somebody put one time. And you go there and either they're hostile to you, the natives of the area, or not. And so I realized that when I go as a white, blonde female who is not a matriarch, but maybe looks like one to them, that the only time I've had to be this forceful is with false teaching, strong will dominating bunch of characters, white characters, that look at me and automatically peg me as theirs or their rival, their demonic evil, Jezebel, harlot, or whatever they got going over there in their favorite lore. So when I feel it as a seer prophet, the evil eye, I feel it like warfare. It is a 
it violate it violates me it is a it because i am a prophet seer i picked that up and it's very distracting and disturbing plus i also had in my later years you know i had 15 18 years of emotional abuse and control by dominating individual and therefore i feel you know when you've been abused and you've been repeatedly had violence or prejudice or any accusation you can read that in people bigger and you have your you're sort of attuned from the inside out you're waiting for the other shoe to drop so people that's why i can teach bias against bias telling them how it feels because i understand the principle if you're black i'm not black but i know i've been around my own deal where i've had you know cuss me out in my face with a loud demonic presence i've had a lot of that silent i've had a lot of things that were abuse but because of it because i was trying to be pure-hearted i went to the lord and he just made me strong and know my bible and bind satan and do you know different things that could be pretty practical and helpful but we don't want to do it as a minister and control people if they've already been through hell at home and then make them feel bad if they're young or old and see god has kept me it's kept me to teach and to train and to learn and to grow and to share so i can collaborate help people and understand doctrine well a pioneer a spiritual pioneer a trailblazer called by the lord an apostle the apostle doesn't mean you're in office the office comes through years and siftings which it's been years and many siftings so i am an office all right but i'm servant leader i don't care i'm not really caring if they call me i don't want to be i don't need to be called it but i say it because the lord will tell me to to trigger them i'll say it because i know that brings accusation up because of legalism but when I when I when I'm me, I'm happier with just people who don't care about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Charismatics are the ones that care about it. <laughs> Pentecostals they care about it, but people that are natural, normal people, civilians, they don't care, and I don't care. <laughs> but I'm saying let's don't. I don't. I don't mean that mean. Excuse me, but it's frustrating. It is frustrating because you just want to be yourself. That's all. So when I picture myself, uh, I picture like the colonist. If you are going to a place where you are sent to plant your colony on behalf of the Lord to plant the work of the Lord be it a high visibility or low visibility you go where God says that's his plan so you follow and either they're nice and receive you or they're disrespectful and they don't so it's like when the pioneer goes to settle in the colony they have to clear what's on the land so this is why i'm forthright more than ever and bolder than ever about wealth doggone wealth i am not going to be controlled i am not going to be fooled i am not going to be playtime i'm not going to have misogynist i'm not going to be good old boy around and whatever that playtime is i don't do that I'm not going to have all this rumor mongering. They can rumor all they want. I will not receive white bias. I'm just sorry. I am not. So I had to get away. I had to really grow up to get this bold, but it's for the sake of the gospel. It's because I love them. I can, I'm not mad at them. I sound like it, but I'm not. I'm not accusing you. I'm being forthright because you're ornery. You are, 
you are power players and you are really controllers and I will not be, you know, one of the things I learned being uh, the last 20 years was about the Jezebel spirit. I, I run, when, you know, when I get accused and frozen out because they act like I'm their typecast, when, if you have a pure heart, you think, well, for yourself, you analyze yourself and your conscience and you say, well, maybe I am, I being one because they think I am these good old boys, white boys. And I'm saying it like that to stir up, to call attention to the movement of good old boyism, because it's it's not a Christian thing. The fruit is not; it's control. It is. So anyway, what I learned in my Jezebel studies that I'm not one, but I also learned they are. These are, and what happens is a Jezebel. Let's say the second, there are two of them: one in First Kings and one in. Revelation, Church of Thyatira. Let's do that one. All right, so it stirred me up in 98. I was being controlled, very much controlled. And I was led to this by the Lord to Church of Thyatira, I believe it was 1998. And the Lord gave me the scripture. And it said to the head leader of the lampstand, which was a church pastor. And you can be the church pastor and have it a male or a female do this. You can, you know, back then it was only males, but now they can have anybody, black or white. So the Lord had rebuked. Nobody taught it. They still don't. I'm teaching it right. All right. So it said to the head leader of the pastor, the lampstand apostle, why do you tolerate that false teacher Jezebel, who is a woman teacher on their staff, and she was teaching false doctrine that you could commit fornication that was okay. Also that you could eat things offered to idols. And so when everybody teaches it historically that I've seen in the Welp Network, which is the only ones that ever, you know, to my opinion, that's the only group that does it with such com continual fault finding on that. Then I noticed it said, well, God didn't rebuke Jezebel. He didn't rebuke her. He rebuked the head guy. He didn't rebuke the false teacher. He rebuked the lead pastor because he was too chicken to go confront her, have a relationship, respect, and confront her face to face and set her down. So God was on his case. He said, why do you tolerate it? So the principle is whether you're a male or female leader and it's a male or female teacher or trainer or somebody, you know, in your, that's blocking, that's, that's hurting people, robbing God's teaching false teaching it is up to the head leader male or female to go personally confront them and if you're that it's matthew 18 15 galatians 6 1 are the scriptures that i know now all right so if you go over there and you say i'm going to make an appointment i'm going to call her up and if you're scared she looks that fierce that dominating and demonic then matthew 18 16 says take somebody with you so i learned a lot i have learned a lot and i don't put up with this stuff i am not putting up with that is child's play in the light of hell and eternity and the gospel and the gossip it is nothing but playtime and fooling around with false doctrine so i learned a lot and i confront it uh when you have many kinds of christians you deal with in ministry you do run across different sub pockets and some of them will accuse me or anybody of being critical. You're not sweet like baby Jesus. That's the crowd. You're not sweet like baby Jesus. 
you're a complainer, you're contentious, you're causing strife. I've heard that, but that's usually the same kind of feel that or the whelp feel. Their doctrine is fault-finding, denial fault-finding. Oh, yes. See, therefore, it caused me. All this has worked for the good. All this, when I knew, because I had great doctrine. I mean, because I was raised around it. Really good, non-critical doctrine, but, you know, make sure you're not in error. It's by God's grace, too. I give him all the glory. But So I would just think, man, I'm getting accused, and I'm not doing anything except sitting there quietly. What is wrong in this doctrine? So every time I get accused falsely, I never had anyone confront me. Therefore, I know they are unsubmitted to God's whole counsel. Why? Because nobody ever asked me, are you a Jezebel? <laughs> they just speculated and looked at me and typecast me. And I was in Florida one day speaking in Florida years ago before Dallas. And after the meeting, one of the pastors said to me and spoken at a church and the pastor female said, you know, this group keeps a witch list in their headquarters. And I went, oh, my gosh. It's the same kind of thing. So this was down in Florida. I know this goes on. And it, I don't, it is white, solid white. I don't think black people have that fear, paranoia, need to be so holier than thou. I don't think they have a fear of witches. They're too mighty. And see, that's it. I have a spirit of might on me. I'm not a gossip. I don't gossip. That's why I'm this straightforward. I'll tell you to your face. And I'll do it respectfully and still be kind. But when you have people that are tawdry, interested in everybody's business, all the fault-finding, but, you know, afraid to confront them, they're cowards, then you realize you've got a lot of people characters. I mean, this is hurting the Jesus's safe name. So this is how I got Friendly Fire Fellowships from such turn away Paul commands, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 5. I mean, 6, 1 Timothy 6, 5. If they say you're not blessed because you don't have big money, then turn away. So all of these have made me freer and freer, and I can't wait to help you keep your freedom. Uh, we forgive them. We forgave them long ago. If I didn't still have it happen, if I stumble in and encounter well if i go in there thinking oh i want worship oh yeah I, there's nothing about men i like men i think men are fine let them lead mature men you're in short supply go for it but if i go in there and i am in a group very respectful acting like james 317 like i always have all my life in every meeting act re, james 317 representing the wisdom that comes from above which is pure peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy, and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and I'm sitting there just like that, minding my business, observing the boundaries, and they find fault with that, that exposes the relentless spirit of whelp, the diseased spirit. I, I don't want to get into it. But it's Isaiah 5.20, really the first five chapters. It is, they call evil good, good evil. And this is why I'm teaching false teaching to correct it. So there is such a thing as being contentious. I've not been contentious. I've had, but they don't know that I'm Jude, book of Jude, contending for the faith. So there is one. 
When I was out in DFW Giant Mega Mega Metroplex, I liked Dallas. I liked Big. But man, I couldn't find love, community, relationships in the Christian ministry. All I found was us. You know, possessions and progress, running on to the next busy appointment. You know, that type of thing. It was like shallow so I looked around and I thought, man, there are millions probably out there that go to church, that love to go to church. All the systems, all the politics, all the systems and legalisms, you know, and every group has their little system. Not every, but it seems like most of them, especially mega, have systems if they're white, when they're well white, which is Holy Spirit. All right, so I would try to affiliate. I thought, I can't, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to be whatever they need me to be perfect and whatever this is, I don't, I'm not playing around. I'm in it for souls. I'm in it for the last days. I'm in it. I want Jesus. I want the Holy spirit. I don't want to you know, make this up in entertainment or whatever. So it was not a healthy fit. And then I realized that if I show up to the head famous one, not the faith movement in this, but the whelp kind. The faith movement, usually they can have whelps that follow them, but they're not whelp at the top. So, I mean, I don't feel that bias around the faith people like that. Only if they have a good old boy in their network that they don't know about. That can happen. But anyway, so God is good. So I, I respect people. But then you want fellowship. You want friendship because you're human. And when I would find this stereotype thinking toxic, not trustworthy Babylon in the same huge, huge area, all many places, I went, wow, therefore the grace of God go I. I did have the grace of good parenting that we're in the holy fear of the Lord, like many people. But I really thought if there are thousands that love to go and attend these things, all these meetings, hail fellow well met, usually, look at the millions, the many mega millions that don't want to go near it. And I was with them. I understood it. I also said, I started getting online back then. And I said, man, who and what is going on under the name of Christ following that is truly Bible organic without human added synthetic additives? And I was questioning, am I? You can always think, you know, uh, there for the grace of God go I, but I need God to keep on telling, you know, nobody knows what's organic, but I'm putting this out to stir things up with thought. That's all. Mind, will, and soul. All right. I want you to think about it. I want to perceive it. I want you to make sure the relationship fruits, they're the telltale. Either relationships are respected or devalued. Either they're typecast or they're owned. Either they're just another number, but they put money in the offering plate, or they're really valued. And seen through the eyes of everyone is precious, despite their look, despite their age, despite their whatever their money, you know, making abilities, and to make it real again. And I would think, man, how do you get rid of the plastic, phony religious spirit out there? The dem almost demonic spirit of religion out there. Christian ministry. How do you do that? A carnal spirit. It was just unattractive. And all I could think was you need to find a lot of people that believe organically. 
that are more pure-hearted, not poor me, and you start to meet and eventually grow and you find more and more and you depopulate it. You you populate sub the subculture. It is it is a diseased hornet of a subculture. Misogynist subculture. That is all I can say. I have never I never say that. I've never been around it though before until then and now I can spy it and if it's up here I'll recognize it and I have bumped into it but not where I'm going now. I'm not last in there. I I'm not going to after Dallas I have no t no patience left with that foolishness. I have no patience left with false doctrine that can't tell a peer and Elijah sitting there from a Jezebel. So it made me feel concerned for our nation for their networks, for the visitors, the new people who might never want Jesus because they were biased against and robbed of respect. Out in Dallas and even up here some places, all I knew is that I remembered Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi was the Indian pacifist, very renowned in India. And he was said a quote. He said, I might have become a Christ follower, a Christian, had I not met so many of his followers. I might have become a Christian had I not met so many of Jesus' followers. And I thought that down there, and I still think it. I think, man, there for the grace of God go I. But this is not playtime. This is not merchandising about me. And it made me remember all along the years of some of the prophecies I'd heard by not really famous people that were so true. In the mid-90s, now I went to Dallas from 2015 to 2020 during the COVID Then I you know, got out. I got to go. <laughs> but in 1996, I had my own meeting in an office and helpers, and it was more of a visible sign. And so I had a prayer meeting ongoing at a church, and I one time a, a lawyer man came. I'm, oh, I, see, I deal with humans, males and females equally. They're, to me, I'm a humans minister. All right. So a lawyer came in who was a prophet, and he said this. He said, Tavo, I had a dream, and I dreamed that I saw this big ocean. And on the ocean, there were a lot of party boats, a lot of music. I saw a lot of casino boats where they were rolling the dice and making rolling the roulette wheel and making a lot of noise, having a happy time. He said, I saw boat after boat, casino boats, and party boats. But then I looked again, and they were all churches. I went, whoa. That was in the mid-90s, 95, I guess. So when I was out where I just left DFW, I thought of that vision. I couldn't help it. And that's not just DFW. It is everywhere. Some of that can be any state. The other vision was in 1996 when Charismatic Magazine was in print, not online. It was before all the online stuff. And so I saw Charismatic Magazine, I guess it was Charisma, and it had an ad in the back. And the ad in the back was a book warning. It was a message by Prophet Bob Buess, B-U-E-S-S. -S. I had read his book on favor, a little mini book. It was so good. I think the book he was, so I knew it was, he was true. A quality book changed my life, really, Bob Buess's book. I'll try to link it. I'm going to try to make some book things and link 
uh, you know, some of my favorite books and put them up for people that, that changed my life during the years that were really valuable. All right, so anyway, Bob Buett said this little mini book. I'd read it, so I knew he was valid, prophet. And so he had the word of warning to the United States Church in 1996, I think. He said, the devil is going to try to send a spirit of entertainment and fantasy to the church. Whoa. Those two prophecies, not well-known, not renowned many people, those hit it exactly what we got what we got going great yeah we're going great oh yeah we're looking good oh yeah we got a lot of people yeah we got a big you know beautiful mega oh wow but um you can't go in there unless you look like the cult member you without you won't you'll be demeaned they don't want what i found before i came up here was so shocking because I thought, you know, I've been with so many of the good quality Christian ministers in their groups around the nation, small, black, white, Vietnamese. I've been in these. Nobody has ever treated me like an object for showing up. Nobody has typecasted me for showing up. You know, not nobody's misogynist against me. Maybe they didn't like me because some people don't like you. And that's just natural. But nobody biasly a spirit of like a disease was everywhere. I could not believe it. That and the owning you were meant to be under us without speaking to you. It was, it was just the most shocking surprise of doctrine. So I, it's really doctrine. So it made me go to be a noble Berean because I'd never seen it. My mom and dad were like, like that. Nobody had ever met was that thick with it. So it was a charismatic doctrine. And I recalled it did come in. After I'd been in ministry several years around town in ministry in Central Virginia, it did come in in the 90s from certain groups out of Florida. And that shepherding, it's called shepherding, I think that's the shepherding movement, has been my nightmare. And I call it, educationally speaking, the root word after I've studied it, it's whelp, Western European Levitical Patriarchism and Matriarchism. It is not a fair ministry because they, they will not relate they protect themselves turf guard but they will not relate unless they only have you know it's just uh just not humble that's all it is so we're speaking out help them clear up their hearts and then prepare because see if i teach on the holy spirit i love the holy spirit i'm sent to teach i move in the gifts but this is block this keeps good old boy and me out and then when you have a demonic spirit, you have to get healed from it because you get prayed against all this weird weirdness, psychic occult. So therefore, we're just confronting it because God says in Church of Thyatira, why do you tolerate that Jezebel spirit? I don't. That's why I'm confronting it now on behalf of many people, though, not just me. Because if I move in the spirit and I'm a prophet, one of God's prophets, then I got to clear the land of the Jezebel hunters. I went, when I first moved up here, that spirit knows me. <laughs> I went to the Y at 9, what, I guess it's 7.30 in the morning. And I was friends with the lady at the desk. She was a very cheerful Christian. 
And she said, I told her, you know, I was a minister, so I don't know what happened. But she said, oh, look, here comes the youth pastor of a, a, thing, you know, a church nearby. I'll introduce you. So the youth pastor comes down the stairs, an older man, even a youth himself, but he's like mid, late 40s, I guess. That spirit of whelp rose up at 7.30 in the morning when I was off duty, trying to work out, being a friend, you know, new in town. This spirit is anti-female, and it's very unpleasant because instead of saying, oh, how are you, graciously like a peer, this, it was like, I would need to put you in my place as a white woman, because he's white, whelp white, normal white, doesn't do it, whelp white does. He said, well, um, are you under a church yet? As in his business to presume that I needed to be under somebody because of their false teaching. Now, see, I would go up there and I would say, because I know this doctrine, it's a hornet that bothers me. So I studied, I've looked up covering. It's not in the New Testament. That's Old Testament. I've looked up, who are you under? It's not there. I looked up Jesus and all his relationships and how he, that isn't there. It is a lot of witch watching and a lot of false teaching with males and females. So I just started to look at, you know, I've studied this and I can tell you all these things, Paul and the woman and Paul saying, let you keep your women silent in church. Not everybody's women their women, the Gentile women. So I've got a lot of, you know, things to say about it. But if I'm in a, if I have to be the representative for a new group, a prototype for many other people like this, let it be. I've taken the accusation. I can handle it. I've not given up or given out, but I'm ready to plant and do what a man should do. Maybe a man should have been doing this but they're not doing it or they'd get rid of the law and they would not be this bossy and character assassinating with a stranger when they could easily negotiate, collaborate, talk with and relate to with respect, but they don't. So to make a long story short, if I can, I feel it's really time for a future church, which gets over all this false teaching accusation, rumor-mongering, unpleasantness, fault-finding friendly for our fellowship, and really gets a really new day to start again. Let's start again. And so if there's, we got to work on our bias, no racism, no big I, no jaundice, no Eli Templeye priesthood using and typecasting money, women, you know, Eli Templeye Priesthood was a huge, huge shock, you know, big discovery and bad one for me. And it's everywhere. All right. It, that priesthood was the one right before that used women and money incorrectly, abused it. And then they were into, they were the good old boys will be boys network. Eli, the high priest himself didn't correct anybody, but they preceded. The jaundice priesthood preceded the Ichabod, the national cleansing and start of a new movement, a new day. And I believe I represent that. I really do. So I'm putting the word out, be it long or short, to get ready. You need to get ready. You need to choose who you're going to serve, if you're going to be allowed to serve, and are you of the future church. The future church 
is not materialistic. The future church can be excellent at any budget level. The future, future church can be fine, but it's not finding fault. The future church dialogues and is not racist. The future church values the mothers and the fathers equally. The future church is on fire and is not lukewarm. It's not putting its, uh, anybody down or poor me. It's a great example for children, the true children. You know, when people before COVID and I was concerned because I was in Dallas, I was upset, not personally, but with just the frustration for our nation and the church, Jesus Church. That was when they started to report online before COVID about the national decline in church people not wanting to go and that the millennials by 34, 2034, uh, a million would never want to go to church again. And all I could think of, they've taken their children with them. And when I found scriptures and Isaiah, two different places about doctrine, it said those who erred in spirit shall come to understanding those that murmured shall learn doctrine. And I looked at our nation complaining and finding fault and the churches finding fault and the ministers like a disease of accusation in our nation. And I thought, no wonder they're not going. I didn't go. I pulled out myself and went online. Start, it's been seven years starting this past May or March or May, one of those. In 2015, I went on as the pastor, you know, the founder of the online fellowship prior to COVID. I need a safe place, offer a safe place to those who've been through stuff just like this to give them a resource to let people who are fault finders know how the other half is thinking the ones that are not going to your church because they don't they refuse to be disrespected so i've gotten very vocal and i'm not gonna you know i'm for the christian all kinds but i think now it's more important for you to go and hear god for yourself even if you sit by yourself in a bedroom if you go to a fellowship with a few friends at the coffee shop rather than going to the elite system where they're just full of their own Phariseeism and they're too troubled to be to relate it isn't the style now it's the not the club's way to do it like that and see that's why it's false because it doesn't relate it isn't Ephesians 4 community it's about them and that is what we got and that's why I don't want anyone to perish or to not have a future ministry because they were in sin. So therefore, let us look at our logic. Let's look at our scripture and look at our hearts and see if we're really ready for God to move. The whole picture of the first 10 chapters of Isaiah, which I wrote in 2012 to 13, something around there on TavoLeader.com, was the warning the Lord gave me. He said... Chapters 1 through 3, Isaiah, God's leaders, were being rebuked for their little g-gods, their false religion, practice of false teaching, religion, and their vanity. He mentioned the women as well. He said by Isaiah 5.20, all those sins of the leaders 
had made it so many of them were getting rebuked. Woe, woe to those who call good evil, evil good. I'm a representation of being called evil and maligned, never confronted ever in my life. Never respected, never made Matthew 18 to 15, Galatians 6, 1, which I do, I do confront people. But for the record, as a mother in Christ, I'm putting it out there as a prophet to watch it. A warning to you for many people. This is hurting people, not me. I'm not hurt. This is the weird stuff that keeps people from being able to go to a friendly fire fellowship. The pure hearted are just obeying Paul, his command of such turn away. We got it. But do we, does Jesus want it? It doesn't have to be like that. So then the other part would be the uh, rebuke would be the concern for their soul and for the souls of the lost who may go be damned forever because they were turned away like Gandhi at the door or, or frowned at, suspicioned by false teaching. All right, Isaiah 1 through 5. All right, the false teaching, the little g-gods, the vanity, superiority, all that made them dull of perception so they couldn't read a little sitting Elijah a prophet Elijah sitting out in the seats taking time off to visit from a queen Jezebel, which they've done to me, which I've had that done so much I quit going. And I'm not a wuss. I'm just protecting God's vessel. I am God's vessel. I'm an, I'm an honorable person. So if they're treating the people that disrespectfully, it's just a sign of impending, I hate to say, woe. Ichabod, that's a sign, you know, they can say, oh, she's jealous, because that's what wealth do, they're good at it, they've got 10,000 accusations to deflect and avoid being held responsible, I've seen it small, I've seen it great, and I'm not moved by it, that's their choice, they can do what they want to do, all right, so I'm going to teach future church, but I'm letting you know the backstory, and that I've thought this out and had plenty of time to observe doctrines and churches and then later i hope to not mention whelp i really do i'm just weird you know tired of it but they play a big factor because if you're going to teach on the holy spirit move in the gifts say you're in the prophetic move you're going to have to deal with this issue so that's why i'm confronting it all right well then isaiah one through five the duller perception off and error priests of God's people, the leaders, the real big deal was Isaiah ten twenty seven. Now, everybody knows the verse in the Bible. A lot of Pentecostals know it. Uh, the yoke-destroying anointing. Oh, yeah, everybody wants God's yoke-destroying anointing, the Holy Spirit. Yes. Well, the context of it is this. It says that the warning of Isaiah to the priests of God's people and the leaders of his own nation, not the foreign nations, not the non-believer nations, but his people. It says, because you have those little g-gods, because you are calling evil good, you are in sin, your blessings and you're in sin, then you are blocking my Holy Spirit yoke-breaking anointing, which would make your neck so fat with the Holy Spirit anointing that... It would make your next not able to be captured by the fierce Assyrian nation who wants to take your culture out and imprison you and do away with you. That's the basic paraphrase. So they were 
this particular group of leaders, elders, controlling and vain, proud and mighty and haughty and false teachers, they were the ones God, the group that God warned using false authority of blocking the whole nation Holy Spirit move. And I believe that. I believe well for a real big part of it. Some of these. I really believe a lot of it is a lot of this controlling governmental false teaching, which keeps everybody submitted to everybody and pe people pleasing. And they turf protect, which is not, it's the opposite of Paul community. And the fruit is the opposite of relationship equal. Paul's relationship it says everyone walking meekness and lowliness and long suffering with one another in common doctrine. That's the, that's, I don't see that. I don't see elite in Paul. I don't see all white in Paul. I don't see we are the only way better watch it. You're on my turf. We own you. I don't see that in Paul or Jesus. And that's what you got. That's what I don't see cults. I don't see suppression. I don't see, anything all i know that in america there is a history of migration because everyone said you know the church hopper talk that's not jesus that's a sign of the law and false teaching and control and money probably money because why would anybody keep nosy busybody business on anybody for i would think they'd want them to go to any church they could go to five churches just so they're serving jesus that's my perspective but if you're under the law, you're a controller, dominated, you're going to say, you know what, they're mine. They better be under what I say so, because that's the law. That is the law. So I've been around enough to know that I can offer some good experiences. If you need to bounce stuff off of me, check your theology, I'll be glad to do it and let you, you know, figure it out. And, and you don't have to receive my... You don't have to follow my advice, but I have got a lot of experience, and we want this to be a great, diverse, multicultural body of Christ. We want the bride of Christ. That's what I've been trying to teach, the bride of Christ. Fellowshipping with the saints, without the law, without minimizing people, without owning slave driving and accusing. That's all I've asked for, to teach. But it's like you're this... I guess they're afraid to give it up. I guess they're really afraid to give up their pomp, power, control, ceremonies, whatever they're doing that keeps people bringing it in and makes them the elevated community. When I looked up Doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which the Lord hates in Revelation 2, turned out that Nico stands for Nike, the root word of control. Laos means the people. So these were controlling doctrines, false teaching that had gotten in the church. Now I've seen them implemented. How can you have doctrine of the Nicolaitans today? Well, let's say you've got more of an occult group, a Christian group that's really gotten into the cult feeling that has got witch watchers and people spying and scanning but never relating, and they keep they suppress people. Or maybe they warn people about somebody they've never spoken to. Or maybe they've withstood people because they think, you know, they got a weird vibe, but they won't relate to them and check them out to make sure to validate, you know, like Matthew eighteen fifteen, Galatians 6, 1. 
Maybe have great people appointed to guard and to you know protect the turf to control it from certain enemies, which is so pitiful because you're paranoid in your ministry because you've had enemies, but you just didn't understand how to res- that you re- you really gotten a, a vanity authority false authority because you're not relating and accepted in the beloved everyone equal. You've got a respecter of person's spirit and even a weary spirit, but it's really like all about us, our four, protecting our group, our money. It's really a sad thing. and It's no longer a church. It's somebody's private cult. It's also abusive. I will say it is. I have been, as the Bible says, touch not God's anointed, do my prophets no harm. That's an Old Testament verse, but it still is a principle. Touch not my prophets, do not my prophets no harm. I've been touched. I've been touched by false doctrine. I've been touched by gossip. I've been touched by the Massachusetts witch watching evidence, Massachusetts spectral evidence from the witch watching days. Spectral evidence. Oh, yeah, it's her vibe. That's the spectral evidence. No real evidence. Oh, you look like one. Oh, yeah, she looks like. You know, I had a dream. I had a nightmare. I had a vibe. Yeah, me too. She is one then. Let's tell everybody else. This is evil. It's sick. It is sick. And that's why I teach. Because when I teach, I'm having a prophetic. I have a prophetic gift. And I'm going to teach prophetic first church. But I'm going to let people have it submitted as a sila, and I'm going to say, I'm not over you. I'm like Paul, Galatians 6, 1, I am, I mean, 1, 2, I am with you as a collaborer. I'm here for a resource. If you want me to pastor you, oversee your pastor, I will, but it has to be by divine appointment. I'm picky. <laughs> I don't say, I mean, you're all welcome to listen, but if you really want me to pastor you, I need to be invited because I've, I'm not going through this stuff. It's playtime. A lot of it is politics, playtime, and being the police when it isn't even in the Bible, New Testament. So when we start, and I teach on hearing God, I'm going to do it like at every level so that it's very user-friendly, that people can just say, you know, I'm a Baptist Catholic I'm, you know, barely born again. I can really understand that. It's not so scary. It's not so weird. It's not warped. That's my goal. And then hopefully, as the Lord allows, he'll send us teammates of many colors that can also complement what I train and do and have a different, you know, person saying it. That's what my goal is. If the Lord wants and the, you know, world allows, the Lord allows but we're in no hurry. So if anything, the bottom line is, I think if I'm going to charge people this way as I close. I think the bottom line at this point for me, after decades of you know being sent on that mission, embedded in the body of Christ around the nation, trying to just be an humble person, all right, E-O-R, respectful. The bottom line is, I think really now more than ever, it's too weird to figure out what a future church is unless and until we have people that are not in it. The people that should be, that could have been the future church now, 
that got scared away by the friendly fire, friendly fire bias and misogyny and all this weird stuff, monetary achievement, no love. You need to do this especially. You, who maybe never went to church, don't like church, gave up on church, you still love the Lord and you want to win the lost. You take this on you to start figuring out here, God, and you can always call me, make an appointment, because I want to encourage you, grow you, help you to grow, to plant your part of the future church. And if you're in a, if you're a whelp, I like, I like you. I really do. I just don't want all the false doctrine with that, you know, that package that could come. Misogyny. Diminishing the woman, little woman. No, 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 we don't do that. But I respect men, I really do, to be the man. Let you be the man. Go ahead. I want you to. But, um, so that's such a big complex thing. It's fun for me. It doesn't, you know. But the idea is we're watching out for things that accuse, that minimize, or hurt people's hearts. That's the main thing. So I think that if I picture what I would do, would say, whether you're high estate, low estate, know nothing or no great things, have no church or over 12 campuses, 10 or 12 campuses, everybody get your Bible out. Read Jesus in all his relationships, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when he was alive on the earth, and watch how he acted and reacted with everybody, and then just act like that, train from it, and Ephesians 4, Paul, and we'll all be okay. There will be a future church. So you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, when Jesus was alive in ministry with his mother Mary, with all the different kinds and styles of people, and the ones that were in sin and not, and the Pharisees, all the whole group, and then watch every relationship, how Jesus acted and reacted, and we act like Jesus and react like Jesus at home, with our family, in church, and it won't be a prison anymore. It'll be really great, and there will be revival. So this is how we're putting this out there to really stir things up. And you're free to make comments, but the idea, it is about Jesus, not me. I'm just giving that as my opinion. I'm submitting it to Jesus' followers. And if I have followers, I don't think that way. I think you're an individual. You have got to be yourself. Uh, if you want to ask questions, what I picture me is two things. I picture me like a Paul who is sent crossbody. I picture me as the off-scouring of the world kind of apostle sent to the mega-celebrity ministry as a sign. All right? I feel like I just would rather be sitting somewhere chatting in a coffee shop with a bunch of Catholics and normal people and black people and everything than a, some of this high and mighty style. I really would. But I can talk to all, you know, I'll, I'll be fine either way. But I really want just to be real. And I picture Paul way back in the day with the Gentiles. And he would just chat with them, give advice. He could lay hands, he could write letters, he could do all these things, and yet he was himself. And he was not famous back then. Now we put him, you know, now we call him famous in our own terms. But back then he was just another prisoner, just another 
fellowship of his sufferings kind. He was just another person that had his own issues, and yet he is, and yet he was still able to affect the church with great teaching two-thirds of the New Testament. So I would say that Jesus Christ, his Holy Bible, is my mentor, has been that way. My parents and their, you know, there are many different kinds of witnesses. Good Christians have been mentoring me whether they knew it or not. Certain ones on television have mentored me, on YouTube even, certain here and there, by the Lord's leading. But then I also say that I notice young people, older people, they can inspire me. I love to hear what the young ministers are saying. The future church, and see, the future church is going to be intergenerational. It's not about how old you are. It's about how pure-hearted you are and how, you know, you're led obedient you are to the Lord and to love people. All colors. I would say for myself that I really enjoy fellowshipping with the saints. But I really can tell if I'm in a system or the big I, big U, and that's the negative part, which I really try to avoid. So I can say it over here as the head leader. If I visit, I wouldn't put you down. You get to think what you want to say and do it your way. In fact, according to Ephesians 4, Paul's doctrine one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the Father of us all, Ephesians 4, Apostle Paul. That means everybody can hear God about everything. The basic common doctrine means these are the four things you have to believe if you're a real Christian. One Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, the Christian faith, one baptism, baptism of the Lord, like Jesus died, you know, before he died when he was baptized in water for the remission of sin as a sign. And then he did not have sin, but he did that as a sign for us, you know, our sin. All right. And then one faith, when God, the father of us all, the global father, who loves all the different colors. So those mean you got to believe it or you're not really a Christian. However, Paul, we have our besetting sins. All of his commands should be obeyed, but God knows we can't do it because we're imperfect. We're human. We still need more strength. We're carnal. We, you know, are immature, whatever. So I believe that we have to now quit the legalism. And let's get on with the love and the community. And then if you have a bone to pick, you actually obey the Bible and make an appointment up and correct them respectfully. You relate. Matthew eighteen sixteen, Galatians 6, 1. And then there is no big eyes in Christ. There can be people who have a certain reserve persona which you'll have to be, you know, figure that one out. But then you're also, it should be everyone approachable and everyone equal opportunity, old and young, mothers and fathers. But you have to train people. You will have to train it because they will not know it unless they're trained. That's my opinion. So anyway, God is good. I believe there will be a future church. I just want it to be circumspect i want it to be more careful in its naturalness it's really just it's got to relate to people more 
It's got to make it relatable and not dogmatic. It's got to be able to sit there somebody at a table you've never met, let them tell you the most extreme beliefs they have, and you will not be shocked. You got to love them and respect them, and let if the Lord see so respect them, and you value them. That's the missing link. You respect them because God made them, and you value them because you know they have a valid point if they're human they should have their own right to say what they're saying and you don't have to agree you don't have to condone you don't have to understand or agree with their theology their lifestyle but you respect them once you respect people and you're there as their friend basically or a sounding board holy spirit works he'll open up a surprising door of utterance or else you'll watch them grow toward the Lord it is amazing there's none of this shoving it down their throat this is I mean and see another part is people are jaundiced both sides people have heard it all or they think they've heard it all about God especially the non-believer because they've been shouted at seen it on television people at Pickett's funerals had nasty neighbors, mother-in-law, you know, whatever it is. So we got a jaundiced, sophisticated crowd. People are sharp and they're very smart, old and young, because of media. So you got to know that, that you got to make sure this is not the old day, this is the new day, and people will read you. More people than ever will read you. So my ministry is to train people. I am a perceiver discerner. That's our other vocabulary. Because people don't have to be born again to be perceiver discerners. That's a natural gift. And instead, you can, a people with a natural, a, you know, heavy gift of perception and discernment really might have a prophetic call or to move in the gifts, hear God. But we want to make it down to earth, blessed, practical, useful, and joyful. Keep it joyful. So this is Tavo Diarcy. I gotta sign off. A mother in Christ, and a joyful mother of children, and I do enjoy the Lord. It's so good, and no matter what's going on, and not on the TV, the news, we can have the private company of our relationship with Jesus Christ, the Eternal Savior. All we do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior. I want to invite you in. I want to ask you to forgive my sins. I want you to set me free and make me whole and help me to love you and train me how to read the Bible and how to where to find the fellowship that would help me. All right. So there are many things God can do right there where you are. And then all you do is what he says. This is Tavo Diarcy, Servant Leadership, coming to you with a huge mouthful today, but and I will put this on my new shorter mentoring site as well, but it's for the, you know, edification and understanding of what I'm doing and why we're doing it. Because we really want Jesus Christ houses to be safe, not legalistic, not, you know, not accusing or biased. That's it. God is good. His mercy endures. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now. If you'd like to donate or pray for us that would be great if you want to connect you can do it all on tavo leader dot excuse me tavo leader us tavo leader us at gmail.com 
that's our email that's our contact one of them and it is our basic you know paypal type thing so god is good as mercy endures bye-bye god bless bye-bye and i hope these weird images you know i've been shaking this around the effects didn't stir you up too much bye-bye